0: Good morning, everybody, and the Lord bless you. And if you, you. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? There it is. I never thought I'd really be saying this, but praise God for technology, right? Absolutely. Uh, very thankful. And if um, we're having any difficulty streaming this, please let Vince know he's sitting over there. And, um, yeah, I had a crack, but I'll leave that alone. Um, a few things to share with you before we get started this morning. <clears throat> Even now, as I speak, uh, the youth are meeting together in a youth Zoom. Nate Irby and Heather Templeton are co-hosting it. So if you have high schoolers or junior hires and they want to be ministered to in youth group, please uh, go to our website. Matter of fact, all the announcements I have here can be answered on our website. And you can get connected to their meeting right now. Um, parents, let you know that we do have some curriculum for you, for your children. We have a children's church online. We have links there that will enable you to minister to your children. And I do hope you'll take advantage of it Again, you'll find that information on our website. Uh, tonight at Sunday, er, Sunday night tonight, we're going to have prayer from 6 to 7 p.m. We're going to do it on Zoom again like last week. I hope you will consider joining with us, praying for our nation at this time. Tuesday's Men's Discipleship Group is going to go on 7 to 8 p.m. And again, information online. Wednesday service at 7 will go on also, and Wednesday Kids Club, we were going to provide some digital activities for you parents, so be looking for that. So with all of that, if you have your Bibles with you guys, why don't you turn to Psalm 23, and let's read verses 1 through 6, okay? Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Father it's good to be in the house of the Lord on a morning such as this. It is good to be in your presence. And we give you praise because you are the good, the great, the chief shepherd of our souls. And you care for us. You will lead us. You will correct us when you it's necessary. And you will see us through, even in situations like this. I pray this morning that you would enable me to teach the word well, to rightly divide the word of truth. And in it, we will find comfort and encouragement, instruction, and even the victory we seek in times like this. So bless us, Father. Open our ears, help us to hear what the Spirit would have to say, and we will love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've seen this meme, Facts Not Fear. It's a popular one right now. Um, I have another meme for you Truth Not Fear. Truth trumps facts and fear. If you Google the word Trump, you're going to get definitions such as a game of cards where one card outranks another. Or I like this one, Trump is a foghorn. Okay, I don't think they were making a political statement. They're thinking the troghorn makes a Trump sound. And of course there all are the uncomely definitions relating to our president right now. But if you Google the free dictionary, and put in the word trump you'll see it's defined as to get the better of to best to outdo to outflank to beat to vanquish to trounce to crush to come out better in a competition or a conflict now concerning our current epidemic the coronavirus people say facts not fear telling us that facts trump fear. They vanquish and crush fear. And to some degree, that's true. It's very inspiring. And and absolutely, we need to know the facts and ignore the rumors and seek out accurate information. But right now, the facts don't look too encouraging, at least for the near future, right? It's probably going to get a little worse before it gets any better. And, you know, I I know, I hear you. Uh, Thanks, Pastor. I logged on to be encouraged. Well, I understand the facts and have every confidence that this virus will run its course. And we'll find a vaccine, perhaps even an antibiotic, and we'll curb it. And I live my life with that expectation in mind. But more significantly, what fuels my confidence is my faith, bolstered by the truth. Facts may trump fear, but truth trumps facts and fear. And Psalm 23 encourages us in that direction. Let me give you a little background here on what Psalm 23 is all about. It's called the Shepherd's Psalm. And indeed, it's all from the point of view of a a shepherd. But the occasion... For the writing of this is a little difficult to ascertain. There are those who feel that the psalm was written when David was just a boy tending the sheep. And that makes sense, and that's probably true. But there's evidence that it may have been written when David was older. Matter of fact, some commentators believe that the 23rd psalm was written while David was wondering how the battle between his forces and those of his son Absalom during the civil war that Absalom's rebellion caused. And if that's the case, then David would be grief-stricken right now and heartbroken. It may even have been the darkest hour of his life. And this is where he penned those beautiful words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want recalling those days of his youth when he tended sheep. So with that as an introduction, let's look at truth that trumps fear. Look at verse 1. A psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or as one young lady said, the Lord is my shepherd, I got all I want. Right? Now God, or David, is not a stranger to uncertain times. He's not immune to fear. He learned a thing or two because he lived through a thing or two. And his understanding of God's dealings in the past helps establish the theme of this psalm, which is because the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. So no uncertainty will frighten me. You've heard it said that there's no drama like family drama, right? And certainly David is in the midst of family drama. He doesn't know whether he's going to just lose his kingdom as so many are afraid of losing their employment or their businesses today. He doesn't know if he's going to lose his life if Absalom's troops get a hold of him, even as many of our people are concerned about losing their lives to this virus. Now notice that David refers to God as the Lord, all caps. That means this is the divine name. And it's based on the Hebrew, Hebrew verb, to be. It stems from God's identification of himself to Moses when he said, I am who I am. The great grandma tetraton. I am has sent you, it's pronounced Yahweh or Jehovah, the idea being this. Yahweh is the self-existent being, the God who is the becoming one, the one who becomes that which I need, and that's what I want you to focus your hearts on. As we go through this psalm, we're going to see a lot of the names of God and I hope it encourages you as you pray and meditate on it David calls the Lord Jehovah Yahweh my shepherd he's declaring that the great I am is his own personal shepherd Um, like I might say you know Franklin Graham is my personal friend and mentor he's not but it wouldn't be too bad of a thing if he was right to David, Jehovah is not merely the shepherd of the great flock of all humanity, but he's the shepherd who calls him by name and cares for him as an individual. This is who God is to us, our personal shepherd. He cares for us as individuals. This is the truth that trumps fear. 1 Peter 5.4, and I'll give you a moment to turn there. First Peter 5, 4. We see that <clears throat> Jesus is the chief shepherd, the one who rules over all of the under-shepherds. I'm an under-shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. John 10, 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. So do you know Jesus? Well, he knows you, and he is the good shepherd. And in Hebrews 13:20, it says now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is Jesus described as the great shepherd, Shepherd. Now that, that word great is megas in the Greek. It means it exceeds the norm. It is the greatest, the highest, the loudest, the mightiest, the strongest. That is our personal shepherd. And that's as good as it gets. So whatever a care a shepherd takes for his sheep, you've got the best care. Today people scrambling for the best medical care available guys you've got the best care the great shepherd who is also the great physician that's right now I want to take you back to our praying through the tabernacle what are we to do when we enter his courts we enter his courts with praise giving God admiration and approval for who he is so who is he right now in this psalm? He is the self-existent personal shepherd who cares for us as individuals. He is Jehovah Raha. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is Jehovah Raha, or Rohi, God my shepherd. And because the Lord is my personal shepherd, I will lack nothing. Because the good, great, chief shepherd of my soul becomes for me what I need. So it's really unnecessary for me to be frightened or worry over the uncertainty of my future. So we praise his name, and his name is Jehovah Raha, God my shepherd, and we think about all that implies before we go and make our request before him. So what does it imply? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse two. We find out that this implies that he is a very caring shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, I don't know what you know about sheep, but they're not known for their intelligence or their courage. They are skittish, they are top-heavy over spindly legs. You'll never find a comfort sheep being brought on an airliner or an attack sheep uh, hiding behind a gate with that sign, Beware of Attack Sheep. They are easily alarmed and will run over each other, racing away from anything that startles them. They'll fall and roll on their backs with their stick legs sticking straight up, and they'll stay that way until the shepherd comes to turn them upright. And sometimes, a shepherd would catch a freaked out sheep and gently yet firmly force it to lie down and to feed quietly on the grass beneath its feet. For many of us, if not all of us, it's a good picture of what's happening right now in this current crisis. What if this virus is God's way of catching us and gently yet firmly forcing us to lie down and feed quietly on the grass beneath us? Chuck Swindoll, who I have to thank for a lot of the thoughts in this sermon, writes in Living the Psalms, in our hectic, hurried, harassed age, in which headache and tranquilizer medications have become the best-selling national products we must occasionally be made to lie down by our shepherd Savior. When he steps into our helter-skelter world, he must often force us to rest. And if that's occurred, give thanks. The pastures are green. Now verse 2 concludes with another pleasant picture. He leads me beside quiet waters. I don't know if you know this or not, but you can have a running stream and lead sheep to it, but they won't drink from it. It's too much motion, too much noise. You need to lead them to a quiet place where the waters are still. Try to mentally capture that that peaceful scene, a calm, placid, serene body of water that's still, smooth, and quiet you know um, one of the hobbies i've just taken up is kayaking and i'm waiting to the day to get out to one of arizona's lakes where i can just enjoy calm placid calm water and quietness right now i can kayak over at tempe lake but that's right by the airport so every 5 minutes you got another airliner flying over the good great chief shepherd leads us to quiet peaceful waters where we may drink without fear. And who is this caring shepherd? Well, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. Remember, Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. His peace is a peace that passes understanding. When people are afraid and freaking out over the coronavirus, the Christian abiding in Christ has absolutely no need to be afraid. In John 16.33, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Indeed, COVID-19 is a tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And he is your shepherd, guys. Jehovah Shalom. So let's go to verse three, which deals with wandering sheep, okay? Some sheep tend to wander and stray away, and they can be stubborn about it. And here we see a correcting shepherd. We all have our patterns in dealing with stress. And it seems like our Christianity just goes out the window when those times come, when someone flips your switch or something triggers your fears or your frustrations or your anxieties. We have our go-tos and we can stubbornly hold on to them, even though you may hear a wonderfully well-spoken sermon about God being your shepherd. We snap at innocent remarks, we get impatient and curt, we numb ourselves with mindless entertainment, and may even indulge in mind-altering substances just to take the edge off instead of what God is calling us to do, which is to press in to him. Now, we know they're wrong, we know they're unhealthy, but still we do it. It reminds me of that great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Hear my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Verse 3 says He, that is our great, good chief shepherd, restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, that word restores is shub in the Hebrew, you know, like shooby-dooby-doo, okay? And literally it means to turn back. The term is loosely based on the idea of repentance, only it's not repentance accomplished by the sheep, but by the shepherd, leading you to that place where you will turn back. A good shepherd, realizing that he has a wanderer on his hands, will set out to restore or return that wandering member of his flock, calling out its name and waiting and awaiting and answering, bleat out in the wilderness. And when he finds the woolly wanderer, he restores it to fellowship. 1 Peter 2.25 says, For you were like sheep going astray. But have now returned to the Shepherd and Overseer of your souls, Matthew eighteen eleven and twelve. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And that's for all of us, guys. All of us at any time. Now, occasionally, a young sheep will get into the habit of wandering. Do you have a habit of wandering away from what you know you should be? Getting stuck in thistles and cactus or even falling off a ledge. Again and again, the shepherd will have to go and find that wandering lamb. And when he finds that habitually wayward sheep, habitually wayward sheep, The shepherd holds it close and then abruptly breaks its leg. Oh, that's comforting. He makes a splint then for that shattered leg, and then he carries that wayward lamb over his shoulders and keeps him close by his side as he convalesces. Now, hopefully during that period of restoration, the sheep learns to enjoy the presence of the shepherd and no longer desires to wander off. He learns that with his shepherd, he has everything he needs provided for him. Now when you look at this in terms of the names of God, you discover that our good, great chief shepherd who returns the wayward, woolly one, is none other than Jehovah Mekadesh. Sanctification. Sanctification the Lord who sanctifies, the Lord who makes whole, the Lord who sets apart for holiness. Sanctification is the act and the process of making a saint. And sometimes that involves correction. Hebrews 12.5 says, Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes each one he accepts as his child. Perhaps this is a time when your priorities are being redirected. Perhaps God is disciplining you for taking so much of his grace for granted. Not because he's angry with you. He needs to correct your course. And you would be wise to submit to the only good, great, and chief shepherd who will always lead you along the right track after all it's his reputations at stake right he said for his name's sake and in verse 4 when we get let's go to verse 4 where we are plunged into a dark valley yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me Literally translated, the valley of the shadow of death is the valley of deep darkness. New Living Translation renders it that way. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Now remember verse 3 promised that our good, great, and chief shepherd will guide us along the paths of righteousness, the right path, the right track for his namesake because his reputation's on the line. So what's up with verse 4? He leads me into a valley of deep darkness. Well, some of the tracks or paths shepherds would need to guide their sheep through would wind along steep trails upward from the valley below the meadows above, to the meadows above. And early in the year, the flocks grazing in the lowlands, as the summer sun begins to melt the high mountain snow, the shepherd leads his flock to better grazing land above. And that inevitably includes some dangerous paths filled with uncertainty and possible peril. You would be in the shadow of trees and dark and unfamiliar difficult um, for the sheep. Trees would blot out the sunlight and there would be the possibility of snakes coiled to strike. Um, Near my house is uh, South Mountain Park and um, I've taken back to hiking And I was hiking there uh, during the twilight it was getting dark. And I was almost at the spot where I turn around and make my trek back. I was about three quarters of the way. And all of a sudden I heard coyotes howling. These weren't coyotes in the distance. These were coyotes that were very, very close. At least it sounded like they were just like right around the corner, right? And I took a few steps forward, and I thought, what if they're right around the corner? So I turned around and went back. I was a coward. And uh, there was a young lady hiking past me and still going to where they were howling. I didn't say anything. I just let her go. I I know how brave of me, right? (laughs) So the sheep would be traveling on paths where even hungry wolves could be lurking. But they followed the shepherd confidently because he was near and he was leading the way. And he was fully aware of the valley's path and the dangers that were about. So there was a confidence in him, not in the path that they were on. The confidence was in him, okay? We like the security of well-maintained, recently paved, smooth roadways, right? We don't have that right now, do we? As God's sheep, we are sometimes led by Him into valleys of darkness where there's fear and danger and uncertainty and the unexpected and even death. Chexmandal says He knows that the only way we can reach the higher places of Christian experience and maturity is not on the playground of prosperity, but in the schoolroom of suffering. Along those dark, narrow, pinching, uncomfortable valleys of difficulty, we learn volumes. We keep our courage simply because the shepherd is leading the way. Again, we trust the shepherd, not the path. Hebrews 12.2 says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Keep our eyes on the shepherd. And we have his peace. And we have the assurance we're going to get through. Now notice in verse 4, take note of what the tools of the trade were. Fear no evil, for you are with me. Who is that? Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was a club made out of oak, about two feet in length. And it was used to beat off wild beasts if necessary. Um, they would have contests. Shepherds would have rod throwing contest where they would throw these things from a distance at a rock to get accurate at their throwing and then they would put sharp bits of metal into the end of these these little clubs and it could do some serious damage it's a symbol of power the staff was like little Bo Peep staff you remember that long tall curved with a crick in it right It provided the shepherd with an instrument to pry a sheep loose from a thicket or push branches aside on a narrow path or pull a wandering sheep out of holes which they'd fallen into. And like a rod, the staff was a symbol of a shepherd's power and strength. And the sheep took comfort in the strength of his shepherd. So who is this powerful, confident shepherd? Who is this that maintains an assertive posture, none other than Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the commander of the angelic host and the armies of God. Turn to Psalm 46 real quick. Psalm 46, 7 It's a great passage here for devotion. Psalm 46, 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two, he burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is our great, good, and chief shepherd, guys. Jehovah Sabaoth. Now in verse 5, we're transported from green pastures and the valley to the rugged mountainside where our shepherd prepares a table in our enemy's presence. And here we see the shepherd who goes before. Isn't that a song we sing? I know who goes before me. I know who stands beside. And not only that, he's on our side, from side to side. He says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Main thought is still in mind, guys. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Therefore, I'm not going to be frightened about anything. Now, he never, you know, shepherds never fed sheep at a literal table. But they would prepare a table for them in a manner of speaking. And it was in a field or a meadow. Charles Slemming, he was an expert on the habits and customs of shepherds and sheep in that day. He tells of the shepherd who comes to a new field. He says, the shepherd doesn't just turn them loose. He inspects the fields for vipers, small brown adders that live underground. They would frequently pop out of their tiny holes and nip the sheep on their noses. The bite from these natural enemies sometimes causes an inflammation that can on occasion kill the sheep. And then he says, he walks up and down, the shepherd does, looking for the small holes. Upon finding these holes, he takes a bottle of thick oil from his girdle and rakes down the long grass with his staff. He pours a circle of oil at the top of each viper's hole. And before he leads the sheep into the new green field, he also spreads the oil over each sheep's face or head. In that sense, he anoints them, literally rubbing their heads and muzzles with his oil. Now, when the vipers beneath the surface sense the presence of the sheep and they attempt to attack from their holes, they're unable to do so because the oil smooth surface um, causes the serpents just to slip and slide all over the place. Um, so in essence, they become prisoners inside their own holes. The oil on the sheep's head also would act as a repellent. So if a viper did manage to get near, the smell would drive the serpent away. So in a very literal sense, by oiling the viper's burrows, the shepherd has prepared the table, the metal, and the sheep are able to graze in abundance right in the enemy's presence. <clears throat> now sometimes the enemy is not just a viper in the grass sometimes it is the brother in the pew right next to you the shepherd would take his thick oily concoction and smear it all over the horns because the sheep especially sheep would butt heads all right? and the oil would cause the blows to glance off so that no irreparable harm could be done Same goes for us when we go through trying times like this. Though we are saints, we don't always act saintly. When we're overwhelmed with stress, we tend to butt heads with one another. But the oil, which is always a symbol of what, guys? The Holy Spirit keeps us from doing irreparable harm to one another as we confess our sins to one another. We apologize and we forgive one another. Now look at that last phrase of verse 5. My cup overflows. We're not talking about a cup of olive oil here. We're talking about a cup of water. A shepherd would scout a location. He would make sure that there was an abundance of water nearby where he released the sheep to grace. You know what this speaks of, right? Jesus, John 7, 37 on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, in verse 39, he explains it. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. We thirst for answers. We thirst for a miracle cure. We thirst for enough toilet paper and the aisles, right? But God gives us his Holy Spirit. And the fruit of that Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. In the midst of this pandemic of this crisis people going nuts we have the fruit of the spirit that's what the chief good and great shepherd gives inside I can have peace and certainly and the certainty that all things will work for the good because I'm his and he is mine so who is this The shepherd who goes before us, who prepares and provides and meets his flock's needs, none other than El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. Everything you will ever need, you will find in him. Remember Paul? He was near blind and he begged for healing. And God, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God, said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul found everything he needed in God's good grace. And he went away, content, joyful, and focused. No, he didn't get healed. It didn't matter. Matter of fact, he said, I glory now in my infirmities. And so it is for us. His grace in this time of pandemic will be sufficient, all sufficient. And we can count on this. We can claim this in prayer. We can expect it in experience because his promise of all sufficient grace is truth. Remember, truth trumps fear. Okay, finally, we have verse six and we see a celestial escort, the hounds of heaven. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think we have a picture of goodness and mercy. You see it up there? F.B. Myers refers to goodness and mercy as our celestial escort, and another commentator suggests that these are God's sheepdogs. Ever near his flock, ever nipping at our heels, um, God sends his faithful companions out after us when we stray, when we react out of fear, when we treat others impatiently and get convicted. It's his goodness and mercy. It's his kindness and loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Our Lord deals with us in a very gentle, gracious way. That's a difference between us and God. We panic, God stays calm. We react out of fear and frustrations. He's proactive in mercy and goodness. In our uncertainty, we tend to lash out and instead of trying to restore and be at peace with our fellow woolly wanderers, we become unforgiving, hard-hearted, and even argumentative. I don't know. Uh, I've seen some crazy behavior lately. Have you guys? Uh, it was in Fry's parking lot, and these two guys got into a fight right there. I don't know what the fight was about. It wasn't worth whatever they were fighting about, I can tell you that. But the guy got out of his car, and they went to it and were rolling on the, the pavement. Uh, why? Um, I don't know if you saw the YouTube video of the woman trying to rip a package of toilet paper from an elderly woman's hands and uh, there was the last package left and the woman had um, a a basket full of toilet paper she had four or five different rolls not rolls but packages of rolls of toilet paper and this little old lady came up just grabbing one just getting her one and they got into a tussle until some people came and chase the other lady off we live in crazy times we should go on a search for those who are stressed and show them and demonstrate to them the peace that we we have Chuck Swindoll said let man go on a search for a wayward soul especially in times of crisis and uncertainty like now and there is often bitterness and revenge and impatience in his steps. We are to go to those who are overtaken in any trespass and restore them in a spirit of gentleness considering ourselves lest we be tempted. We are to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. That's us being like God. That's goodness and that's loving kindness that draws people to rethink their actions and come to themselves. You ever heard that expression? They lost themselves. They just lost it. Do you guys remember the story of the prodigal son? Right? What do you think the biggest reason was for him to come to himself and finally return home? Maybe it was the poverty. Maybe it was living with the pigs. I don't know. But I think the biggest reason was because of the father he had. Father who gave a loving response, who ran toward him when he saw his son afar off. Chuck Swindoll says, there is no magnet with a stronger pull than genuine love. Love has drawn back more wanderers and softened more hard hearts than this world will ever know. It's fitting then that you and I are followed all the days of our lives by goodness and loving kindness. God knows what will best do the job. A lot of us, a lot of Christians are living in fear right now. And it's totally unnecessary. But it is a reality. If you know someone or if you are running in fear, you need to stop. Just recognize and settle your unsettled mind. The circumstances that surround you <clears throat> should be serving only to remind you of who is really chasing you. It isn't the circumstances. It isn't the virus. It's Yahweh. It's Jehovah, the becoming one. Jehovah Ra'ah, the good, great, and chief shepherd. Jehovah Jirah, the God who provides. Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. Jehovah mekadesh the Lord who sanctifies. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. That's who's before you and behind you and at your side. That's who's chasing you. (laughs) Stop. Let them catch you. You guys remember Gail Irwin? I love this story that he told. When he was a kid, he would walk home from school, and if he was late staying after school, he didn't want to get in trouble, so he would take a shortcut to get home. And that meant walking down an alley between an insane asylum, or next to a sane an insane asylum. We don't say that anymore. What we call them long term psychiatric institutions, okay. And um, as he's walking nervously down this alley, he hears steps behind him, so he picks up the pace, and so do the steps. They pick up the pace, and then he begins to run. He can hear the steps running behind him, and then he's at a full sprint, and he can hear the guy behind him in a full sprint, and then he gets a big old hand on his back, uh, slaps him and pushes him, and he goes sprawling on the asphalt. And he turns around to see somebody smiling at him and saying, Tag, you're it. He thought he was being tra- chased down by something that was going to harm him. We often feel like our circumstances are chasing us now, but we need to stop and let mercy and goodness catch us. So, let's put some shoe leather on it. Who's your daddy? You've heard that before, right? Who's your shepherd? Is Jesus your shepherd right now? whom or what are you trusting in this time of absurdity, of uncertainty? To whom or what are you turning to for direction, for guidance, for peace? Charles Schwab? Certainly not your pastor. Your psychologist, maybe? Oprah? Maybe Fox News. Consider that these people are merely sheep just like you and if you follow another sheep then you're going to be like Jesus the blind being led by the blind and both of you are going to fall in the ditch it's time to press in it's time to intentionally engage in intimate fellowship with your creator through worship through the word through praise through prayer through thanksgiving It's time for real-time fellowship with the good, great, and chief shepherd. Secondly, for those who are a little bit more mature in the Lord, have you been feeling a little uncertain lately, perhaps a little insecure about the future, but still you're maintaining fellowship with God, and you have that certain expectation of good to come, and that confidence, and do you know someone who might believe the same, but is not having that same peace and that same joy? Well, review the 23rd Psalm and then pick up the phone and encourage someone with the truth. You've discovered. You might be surprised by the encouragement you receive back yourself. Psalm 119.50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me Amen. Amen. Father, I bow my heart before you, and uh, this has been a little unusual experience. So I'm asking that, uh, for all of my inarticulation, that you will have articulated truth somewhere somehow, to people's hearts. I pray for them, Lord God, that they would find you, the great shepherd of their soul. And all that you can be as a shepherd. All the benefits that come for having you as our personal shepherd. Our Jehovah Shalom. Our peace. Our Jehovah Kadesh. Our sanctifier. Our Jehovah Jireh. Our provider. Our Jehovah Ra'ah, Our good and great shepherd. And El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. Father, thank you for this crisis. May you reveal yourself strong on behalf of those who seek you with their whole heart. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.